Thanks for checking out the One Church podcast today. If you are new to One Church and want to learn more about us, you can always check us out at imonechurch.com. That you are here today. Come on, it's an awesome weekend. It's Memorial Day weekend. Can we just take a second and just and just give just a five second round of applause for all those soldiers that have given their lives for our freedom? Come on, we're so thankful for our freedom. We would not be here. This would not be a free country without the sacrifice of so many others, and we're so thankful. Well, my name is Denver Hines, and my beautiful wife and I. Come on, she's right here in the front row. We have the honor and privilege of being the campus pastors here for one church. We're one church in two locations, and so we have a campus in Cattle Mills and a campus right here, and we have the incredible honor to preach today. And so if you need anything at all, if we can do anything to make your stay more comfortable, find someone that's wearing a badge that says Dream Team, and they'll be happy to help you with whatever you need as, as you continue your time here. But we are so excited about all that God is doing at One Church. Come on, it's been so incredible, everything that God's doing. Like, man, we just it's just been amazing just week after week, just this momentum that we've ex- been experiencing. It's been just so incredible. And so I'm really excited to tell you about something that we have coming up next week that's super awesome. And we actually have what's called Next Steps that's happening next weekend. And what that is, Next Steps is where you can learn more about us, but in but in turn, we want you to help you discover your purpose. And what Next Steps does is we take you on a spiritual journey where you can discover your purpose. And so you can find out more information and sign up at imonechurch.com slash next steps. But we would love, if you see all these people that are parking cars and serving coffee and making sure they have everything that you need, that's our dream team. And they have discovered their purpose and they're making a difference in their world. And so I just would love to extend the invitation to you to be a part of our team. It's incredible to be a part of all that God's doing right here in Sulphur Springs, Texas. And so next Sunday, 3 p.m., it's going to be so good. But man, we have been in an awesome series called It's Time. Come on, somebody say it's time. It's time. And so Pastor Brian, he's been talking to us about how the things that we've been putting off, come on, we're six months in the year, and we, there's some things that you haven't even started yet that you said you were going to start in January. In fact, there's some things that you said you were going to start two years ago that you haven't even started. How about 20 years ago? And so it's been an incredible series. And can we just give it up for our lead pastors? Come on. I love our lead pastors so much, Pastors Brian and Crystal Sparks. And so thankful for them. This campus will not be where it's at or what we're doing without their leadership and without their guidance. And so we are so thankful and honored uh, to be here standing. And they're actually, if, if you don't like what I'm saying today, you need to come back next week and hear our lead pastors because they're incredible. And uh, they're going to be starting a new series called Summer at One Church. And so y'all don't even know, okay? Summer at One Church is really awesome. What we do is we have fun all summer long. And so we're kicking off a series next week called Summer at One Church, and we'll have snow cone trucks here to give you snow cones. And we just have tons of fun, tons of fun things for your kids to do throughout the summer because church should be fun, right? We should have a good time when we come here. And so that's Summer at One Church. And so come back here, elite pastors. You'll be encouraged. You'll love them so much. But this series, man, it's time. It's been so good. Uh, Pastor Brian, he kicked it off and talked about it's time for us to praise. And then he moved on and said, it's time for us to move. Come on. He said, beep, beep. The light's green. Come on. It's time to start those things that you said you've been wanting to start. It's time to go. The light's green. And then Pastor Nancy, uh, one of our campus pastors at Caddo Mills, she brought an incredible word. Come on. About it's time to run. Wasn't that so good? And then last week, my favorite message has been, come on, it's time to get over it. Ouch, man, that was such a good word. I listened to that one all week. And so I love what Pastor Brian said. He said, your life is too short 
and your calling is too great for you to live your life offended. Man, what a word. And so I'm going to be wrapping up today's series of It's Time. And so if you have a Bible, open up to Philippians 3.1, Philippians 3.1. And, uh, and we're gonna, if you don't have a Bible, it's okay. We'll have it right here on the screen for you. But we believe in the Bible. We believe that it's the authoritative word of God and that it's relevant today and it can make a difference in your life. And so we're going to be reading out of it in Philippians 3, 1, and it says this, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Somebody say rejoice. rejoice. All right. I never get tired of telling you these things and I do it to safeguard your faith. Can we pray as we begin our time together? Lord, I just want to thank you so much for the word of God. Lord, I want to thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, Father. Lord, I ask that you would use me to speak to the hearts of your people, Lord. They didn't come to hear a word from man. They've come to hear a word from you. And so I ask that you would use me. Let every life be changed. Let nobody leave the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, Has anyone ever had like a really good day that ended up really bad? (laughs) Come on. Come on. All right, so I'm, I got to tell you all this, okay? So, uh, you know, we have a day off, you know, like most people. And so on my day off, what do you do, fun stuff? No, of course not. You, you catch up on all the stuff that you've been, work, you've been meaning to do, like mow the yard, right? And so, like, it's my day off, and I'm getting ready to mow my yard because I want to be a good citizen, right? Like, I don't want my neighbors yelling at me because my grass is five foot tall. So I need to get out and mow the yard, be a useful citizen. And so, you know, everybody knows the drill, right? Mowing the yard, it's the greatest, but it's the worst at the same time. I don't know what it is about that, but there's just something about mowing your yard that is just whatever, you know? And so I'm doing the thing, right? You got to change into your clothes. You got to go out to the shed. Got to check the oil in the mower. Like, we all know the drill, right? And then you got to make sure it has gas. Oh, no gas. Got to go to the convenience store. Like, this is all the chaos that's involved to just cranking the lawnmower. And so I finally get it cranked, and I throw in some AirPods. And I'm listening to a podcast. And once you get on the more, it's pretty good, right? Like, life is pretty good. You're like, you're mowing the yard, enjoying. And then there's this space that happens when you mow the yard. All you guys, you know what I'm talking about. It's kind of the zone where it's like you kind of zone out. You start thinking about all kinds of different stuff. Oh, maybe I should do this. Oh, I've been thinking about this problem. Maybe it need to work. You know, come on. Everybody knows the zone, right, when you're mowing the yard. And so I'm in the zone, y'all. All right? I'm mowing the yard, having a good time, th- solving all the world's problems right there on my lawnmower, enjoying myself. And when all of a sudden I look over, I turn the corner of my yard, and my wife, she is out on the patio, and she is waving her arms like this. And I look at her and I I go, hey, how are you? Girl, you cute. Mm, Man. You know, I'm just like, I'm just like, and she continues to wave her arms. And I'm like, yeah, I see you. You know, I see how you doing. You know, I, uh, you know, I I see you. And she's like continuously waving her arms at me. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe something's up. Maybe I need to check, check and see what's going out. Right. And so I kill the lawnmower. I get off. I'm like, hey, what's going on? She's like, did you not hear that noise? I said, no, I didn't hear anything. She said, look, and she points to our patio door, and there is a perfect golf ball-sized hole in our patio door. She said, I thought someone shot a gun off in the house. And I said, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize. And so I walked over to the patio door, and I realized that I had launched a golf ball with my lawnmower to the patio door. And the saddest part about this is I don't even play golf. I don't own a golf ball. 
So one of my neighbors, you know, practicing his drive, it ends up in my yard. I happen to hit it. And so at first I'm like, oh, it's no big deal. Whatever. It's fine. Like, I'll call the glass company. She's like, how much is this going to cost? I'm like, oh, 50 bucks tops. I swear. I swear. So I called the glass company and I'm like, okay, it's no big deal. I called them and they say, they had me describe the door to them. I said, what's well, one of those doors that has the blinds on the inside of it? And they said, <laughs> everyone's laughing. Like, man. And I'm like, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, but that's a special order door. You can't even get that door for me. You have to go to Lowe's. I'm like, great. So what does that do? You have to stop mowing your yard. You have to change clothes, drive to Lowe's. You know what I mean? Just that, just the chaos. And so by the time that I get to the service desk, I'm not, I'm not really that happy. Okay. I'm not having a good time. Like my day off is ruined at this point, right? Everything that I plan to do is not going to happen at this point, And my day is over. So I talked to the service guy. He's like, yeah, it shouldn't be that much. You know, you know, he's like doing all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, how much is it? That'll be $315. I'm like, no, are you kidding me? I'm like, fine, order the door, order the door. And so that was three weeks ago. All right, that was three weeks ago. I got my glass insert yesterday, and it was the wrong size. Oh, yeah, you're talking about living. But so many times in life, don't we all just lose our joy over the simplest things? And I think, I mean, once a week, I can say easily that I lose my joy over stuff. Once a, I mean, come on, once every day. I mean, right? I mean, some of us are in here, and you're so overwhelmed by stress all the time that you don't even remember the last time that you laughed or that you smiled, or that you actually felt joyful. And so I want to bring this message to you today, because I know that that's a funny story, and that's great. But we all struggle with having joy in our lives. And it's something that we all need. It's something that we all need to learn how to practice. And Paul, he's writing here, and he says this. He says, whatever happens, I'm reminding you that you need to rejoice in the Lord. And he says, I'm telling you this to safeguard your faith. Man. He's saying that I'm telling you, you need to rejoice because it's going to safeguard your soul, your mind, your will and emotions. Joy is important. It's an important thing. And so I just want to bring this to you. I love this quote so much. It says, it's hard for Satan to tempt a believer filled with joy in God with empty pleasures of this world. You know, the world's solution for joy is always going to fall short. Everybody will tell you, oh, if you just buy another house. Or if you just sell this house, make some money. If you get another car, you know, you need to, man, your, your wife is ticking you off. You probably need to find, find a girlfriend on the side. Like all these solutions for joy will never amount to anything. And so I want to bring this message to you today because I think joy is such an essential thing that each of us need to learn how to practice because joy is not automatic. Come on, a lot of you are Christians in here and you can say that you haven't been joyful this week because it's not automatic. But it's something as Christians we have access to, and you can honestly be joyful all the time. And you can learn how to practice joy and be joyful all the time. And so this morning, I'm going to share with you how to choose joy. But first, I think we need to understand where joy actually comes from. Because if we can identify the source of joy and where true joy comes from, then we can learn how we can choose it effectively. And so if you're taking notes, which I hope that you are, you can title this message, It's Time to choose joy. And then inside your worship guide, there's a place where you can take notes or you can download our app and we have fill in the blanks for you there, the, the One Church app. And that way you can follow along. Some of you, you know, you love that stuff. And so we have that available for you. And so the first thing I want to tell you 
is that joy comes from knowing God has a plan for my life. Joy comes from knowing that God has a plan for my life. You see, when bad things happen to me, they don't shape me because the bad things that happen to me, they don't become the plan for my life. You see, a lot of us here, we go through things, and when bad things happen to us, internally, we assume that that becomes the plan for my life, right? Come on, your car broke down on the way to work. Well, crap, this is going to be a bad day, right? Come on, we've all said it. Like, I had a flat tire. Oh, my dog, it chewed up something, and I'm just, I'm just ticked off today. It's just going to be a bad day. Because when bad things happen to us, internally, we assume that that's going to become the plan for my life. But true joy comes from knowing that no matter what happens, that God has a plan for my life, and that God has called me, that he's chosen me, that he's ordained me. And here's the reason why. When you don't know why God made you or how God made you, that's why those things become the plan for your life. In Jeremiah 1.5, it says this. I love this so much. It says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. You see, when you understand that God has a plan for your life and that he's called you then things that happen to you, the circumstances, the situations, the difficulties that happen to you, they don't shape the plan for your life because you know that God has a plan for your life. You know, I was reading the other day, and I was reading about Navy SEALs just to kind of see what's involved. I've been reading a lot of books just about warfare and survival and stuff like that just for fun. And I was actually reading for Navy SEALs. And what does it actually take to become a Navy SEAL? And I was just curious. And so the actual entry to even apply to be a Navy SEAL, you have to be able to do 20 pull-ups, 100 pull-ups in under two minutes. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I was out of breath after two miles yesterday, okay? All right, then you have to be able to swim 500 yards in under nine minutes in, in the ocean. Not, not, we're not talking about the water. And that's just the entry. And then if you make it past the entry test, you're subjected to over six months of training where you have to run all the, all the regimen, all the drills, where you have to do that over and over again. And then once you make it past that six months, you enter into your last and final, it's like six weeks of training. And on day 15, there's a training that's actually called uh, Hell Week, is what they call it. And it's because they take the trainees and they put them through so soul-crushing tests. And Hay Week, I mean Hell Week, sorry, it begins with you have to swim for over 12 miles each day. You have to run over 20 miles each day. And then on top of that, you only get four hours of sleep for a period of five days. So that's less than one hour per day that you get. And I love this quote that an ex-seal said. He said, you run, you paddle boats, you carry boats. It never stops. You're wet, you're sandy, and you're tired, and you don't even get to sleep. He said, a guys, they collapsed onto the sand, and others just stood there, too many of them wondering how they could possibly go on, including me. My knees were buckling, my joints were throbbing, and I don't think anyone could stand up without hurting. The trainees who survive Hell Week, they go on to be deployed and to learn how to swim and dive in the ocean to become snipers, and like these guys are the real deal. And I begin to ask myself the question, what is the difference between a Navy SEAL trainee, someone who actually makes it, and someone who doesn't. And I've gathered one thing that I believe that is a significant difference in their lives. The ones who make it, they know their purpose. 
They don't allow their setbacks, their pain, their problems, or their circumstances to define them, but they allow purpose to define them. You have to understand that when God's made you on purpose for purpose, then everything else that happens to you, it doesn't define you because you know, this isn't the stopping point that bet that my car having a flat tire. Oh, that's not part of my day. Like that's not the plan that God has for my life. I'm going to move on. And that's why we do next steps because we are so passionate because we understand that if we can get purpose in you, if we, can get, if we can get a why in you, where you have a why and you have a reason why you're here on earth and you know that God's called you and appointed you and to, be, to make a difference in this world, then nothing else will shake you. You know, we have this lady on our dream team, and I love her so much. Uh, and she was telling me the other day, she said, Denver, she said, my marriage is stronger than it ever has been before. But there was a period of time that it was hard. But she said, what kept us pushing through was because me showing up here on a Sunday and I was walking through Mary Jo and I was walking her through her marriage problems. And I was walking, I was walking with her and I was walking with Susie over here and I was walking with her through her marriage problems. And you see, I didn't allow my pain to define me. I allowed my pain to have a purpose and my purpose is to make a difference in the lives of others. And you see, when you have a purpose, then nothing else will shake you. When you understand that God has a plan for your life, nothing else will get down on you. And so that's the first reason. You have to understand that God has a plan for your life. The second uh, reason, why, reason why we need to choose joy or how we can choose joy and where it comes from is joy comes from knowing that God will work it out. Joy comes from knowing that God will work it out. Uh, there's a story that I love, and it's about this African king. And he had, he had a best friend who was a commoner. And him and his best friend, they were always, always buddy-buddy. And his friend was always just super positive. Come on, we all know those positive people. Like, oh, please shut up. Like, okay, you're so positive all the time. And he was always go around, he was always like, oh, it's good. Like, everything he would talk about, he was like, oh, it's good. Like, this is good. Everything's good. And so one day, they went out, and they went to go hunting in the safari. And so they were out there getting things ready. And the, his friend would always load his gun for him. And so he loaded his gun and got it ready to shoot. And the king got up to take his first shot and he shot the gun and the bullet actually was misloaded and it backfired and it blew off the king's thumb. Okay. And so the king's thumb, he was agitated. Like he was beyond ticked off. Okay. I mean, like he, he wasn't firing on all fingers. You know what I'm saying? Like things were not going well for him. And so the king irritated, drags his friend back to town throws him in prison and says, I'm done with you. You did this on purpose. It was out of spot, yada, 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 and locks him away in prison and walks away. Well, a year goes by. The king completely forgets about his friend, and he goes out to hunt again. Well, going out to hunt again, he is captured by cannibals, okay? And so he's captured by cannibals and taken back to the village and is tied up. And as they are preparing to eat him, they notice that his thumb is missing. And these cannibals being particularly superstitious, they wouldn't eat anything that was missing fingers or limbs or anything like that. They are, they are assumed that he is cursed and untie him and send him away. And the king just overwhelmed. I mean, his life was just spared. He runs back into town, runs to the prison, goes to his friend and says to the jailer, you've got to let this man out of here. I was wrong. So he lets him out and he falls down at his friend's feet and says, I am so sorry. Like, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. And he explained the whole story to him, everything that just happened. And his friend looked at him, and he said, oh, it's good. And he said, 
How can you say that this is good? Like I've walked you away for over a year and it's not good. I am so sorry. This is my fault. And the friend said, no, my king, what you don't understand that if I wouldn't have been here, I would have been with you. (laughs) And I have all my fingers. See, you have to understand the African kings understood that he was able to trust God, that he was working behind the scenes, that even when the plan didn't look like it was going well, God was behind the scenes working it out. I love what it says in Romans eight twenty eight. Come on, it says, and we know that all things, somebody say all things. All things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. You have to understand that when the plan gets interrupted, you have the assurance You have the absolute 100% assurance because you know Jesus that God is going to work it out. When the plan gets interrupted and things are not going your way, you can honestly trust that God is going to work it out. This is why in the midst of bad circumstances, we can laugh. This is why you can have joys because you know that God's working behind it. He's going to work something out. You know, I I had someone tell me the other day, they, they were like, hey, you know, I enjoy coming to your church, but it's just a little bit too friendly for us. And they're just being honest. I mean, I'm being serious. They're like, like you're the people at the door. They were too nice. They just, and it seemed kind of fake. I mean, they were just being real with me. They're like, it seemed a little bit superficial to me. And I looked at them. I said, you know what? I just, I respect your opinion, but our people, man, they're not fake. I can tell you this. They got marriage problems just like everybody else. They got financial issues they're trying to work through. They have rebellious kids that are, you know, they're working on. But the reason why that they smile is because while they're serving, they know that God is working it out. You know, while they're putting out chairs, while someone is parking a car, while someone's making coffee, they know that as they're serving and as they're making a difference in their world, that God is behind the scenes working on their world. What I want to tell you today is you can have absolute joy because you know that God is working it out no matter what's going on in your life right now. You can have absolute confidence. Come on, we know what Philippians 4.4 says. It says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I always say rejoice. I love this quote. It says this, joy is the quiet confidence that everything's going to be all right. So when you learn how to smile, when you learn how to laugh, when you learn how to be happy in spite of bad circumstances and things that are happening in your life, it's having the quiet confidence that God's working it out for you. And so those are two places that joy comes from. And now I'm going to wrap up and just finish up and talk about how we can choose joy. Okay. Number one, you can choose joy by looking, choosing to look beyond what happened. You can choose joy by choosing to look beyond what happened. I know there's some of you in here, you say, Denver, like, I got real stuff going on. Like, I appreciate it. And it's really nice of you to get up here and talk about a golf ball going through your window. But my life is hell. Like, my marriage is falling apart. Like, I don't have any options here. Like, my job is at a dead end, and I'm about to be laid off. I have a mortgage payment. Like, I have real issues that I'm dealing with. Like, I have a real reason not to be joyful. And I'm here to, I'm not here to dismiss your pain, your problems, or even what's happened to you. And I'm not here to belittle that and say, oh, you just need to be happy and brush it off and get over it. I'm not saying that. I'm identifying that your pain is real. And that what you're going through is very real. And I'm identifying that it's very hard for you to have joy. And that you probably have every reason to not have joy. 
I'm telling you, you probably have a reason, and it's probably a good one. But I can tell you that when you understand and you choose to look beyond what happened, God will do something way more in your life than you ever could have conceived. In uh, Philippians 1.12, it says this, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. You know, see, uh, this is, this is a, a letter from Paul that he's wrapping to the Philippian church, and he's actually in prison at this moment. And he was actually going to preach a crusade, and he was arrested, he was beaten, and he was thrown into a prison instead. And so he's sitting in this prison. And guys, this is not like a prison today. There's no TV. There's no AC. There's no running water. There's no toilets. There's nothing. He's in, a, he's in a, a, essentially a concrete hole, if that. It could have possibly been dirt. And he's chained to a wall. And there's no sewage. So you're literally just standing or sitting in your own crap. I mean, like, it's a very crappy situation, okay? It's not good. This is a bad deal. It's not happening. And Paul is here, and he's saying, I'm telling you, brethren, that these things which have happened to me, me being in prison, sitting <laughs> in nasty bacterial infection, is actually good. It's actually for the furtherance of the gospel. You see, Paul had a way of taking what had happened to him and looking beyond it. What was he looking at? He was looking at the church in Philippi. He was looking at his spiritual son, Timothy, and saying, Timothy, I'm telling you to stir up the gift and to fan the flame because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. But all at the same time, he's sitting in prison while he's writing it. How is that possible? How was he able to look beyond the four walls of a prison? It doesn't make any sense. But he was choosing to look beyond his current circumstances to see something that was more than what was actually there. You know, there's, a, there's actually a man on our dream team, and he lost his uh, job probably about, uh, I want to say close to a year ago. He was a, a high uh, executive in a very top company, and it was a very unexpected layoff, and he was laid off. And he just kept saying, man, God's going to work it out. He said, God's going to do something here. You know what? I'm going to choose to look beyond this. And he went unemployed for months and months and months. And now he has started his own business. And now it's like he's got a lot of great clients. And now God's doing something that he never thought would even happen. But he was only able to make that decision and to make that move because he was choosing to look not at what happened, but beyond what happened. We're really good as people and as Christians and as Americans, we're really good at looking at what happened. We're really looking, at, really good at looking at our failed marriage and saying, well, this happened. We're really good at looking at the cancer diagnosis and saying, well, this happened. We're really good at looking at our addictions and going, well, yeah, this happened. This is where I'm at. But we don't know how to look beyond it. We don't know how to see the future ahead of us and saying that God's got good things in store for us because we're so stuck in the moment. Sometimes we need to just take a second and ask ourselves, is this going to matter in five minutes? What about five days? I mean, how about five years? Is this really going to matter? We have to choose to look beyond what happened. Paul, that's what he was able to do. He was taking his circumstances, and he was saying, you know what? I guess I'll ch- I need to catch up on some writing. <laughs> you know what? That's, that was his attitude. He's like, hey, he said, I really need to write some letters. I need to write 
to the Roman church. I really need to write, you know, I, I got some things I need to say. And this is a great time. Like, look at all this free time. I'm actually in a hotel suite. And look at me. I just get to write some letters. And, but that was his attitude about his life and what he was doing. You know, so you need to learn how to look beyond what happened. And the second thing that you need to do as I close up is that you need to choose your focus. You have to choose your focus. How many of y'all have uh, has ever been to uh, the eye doctor? Right? Most of us have, right? And it, eye doctors are funny because it's not like going to a real doctor's office. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? But it's not like going to the dentist either. Like, come on, it's, it's, a funny, it's a funny medium. And so what do you do? You go in and you sit down and they check you in and then they call you back to a room. And what do they have you do? They have you look into one of those machines. Can you see the little house in the green hill? Come on, you all know what I'm talking about. You look at the house in the green hill, it focuses in, focuses out. And then they go in and take you to another machine. And like, okay, open your eyes, all right? And then they blow those puffs in. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, so they blow the puffs in, and then you close your eye because you don't want things going into your eye. And they're like, you have to keep your eyes open. I'm like, you're trying to stick something in my eye. Why would I keep it open? That makes no sense. That makes no sense at all. And so finally, they get through that, and then what do they do? They bring you into the final room, and they set you down, and the optometrist comes in. And what does the optometrist do? She takes a, a, a visual assessment and just kind of checks out your eyesight. And then she brings over that big, come on, alien-looking machine. The foropter is what it's actually called. They bring it over, and she brings it up to you. And what does she begin to do? She begins to go. Can you see now? Right? And then she begins to adjust all these things until you're able to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I can see a little bit better now. And then what does she go? A or B? Right? Click, click. Click, click. A or B? It's like, oh, B. No, no, actually, I meant A. Sorry. A is better. A is better. A is better. Right? Come on, we've all been there. The deal with a foropter, this machine, is that it is subjective to what the patient tells the eye doctor. Meaning that the eye doctor cannot give you a prescription unless you tell the eye doctor how you are seeing and what your focus is. Come on, the same is true in your life. God is the eye doctor, and he's clicking things around, doing all this, and he's asking you, A or B? What are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to focus on that I've got a plan for your life, that I'm working it out? Or are you going to choose to focus on your pain, the setbacks, the problems, the, all the, the failed marriage? What are you going to focus on? Because it's not God's choice. It's your choice what you focus on. You have to make a decision what you're keeping your focus on because that will be the direction that your life will go. You have to choose your focus. I think we need to choose joy today. I think we all have a decision, and we have to choose it. I love what it says here. It says in Hebrews 12, 2, and I'm wrapping up. It says in Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, what Jesus was so great at, the reason why Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the reason why he was able to endure the cross was because it was the joy that he had set before him. The Bible says that he had the joy set before him in despising shame. 
despising the punishment, the, the cruelest kind of death that you can still die today. It was not, it was an execution. It, was a, it wasn't just a crucifixion the way that we've mirrored it in our, in our American society. This was an execution where he was whipped with glass and with metal and flogged and beaten where he was unrecognizable. But the Bible says it was the joy that set before him that he endured the cross. What was the joy that was set before him? It was you. It was you sitting right here in this room in 2019, and he was thinking about Dan Westlin. Come on. He was thinking about, I'm going to do something in his life, and I have to do this, and I'm going to choose to be joyful because God is going is doing something in my life, and so it's the joy that was set before him. You know, we all have a decision to make, and we all need to learn how to choose joy. It's something that we can have in our lives that's available to you today. And so with every, just everyone here right now, if you're here in this place and you say, Denver, I, I haven't been joyful. Like, I really need some joy in my life. I'm not even going to ask you to bow your heads. Just right here, every hand. If you need joy in your life, just raise your hand. Because we're going to believe God together and we're going to see him do so. I need joy. I need some joy in my life. I think it's something we could all need. And I just want to pray with you right where we're at. And we're just going to agree together and just see God do something. Because it's something that you can have. It's a free gift that you can live in joy no matter what your circumstances are. And so, Jesus, we just come before you right now. And we just want to thank you, Father, that for the joy that you want to give us. Lord, I speak over every person that raised their hand, God. Or that the joy of the Lord. That true joy. Lasting joy that it would just flood over them right now in Jesus' name, God. We break off shame. We break off depression. We break off stress. We break off past failures. And we command joy to just fall in this room in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to talk to you for a minute. And you may be here and you say, Denver, I, I really, I've never had a period in my life where I've had any joy. And I would urge to tell you that it's because you've never met Jesus, the author and the finisher of joy. And the only way that your life will ever be satisfied is that if you, the only way that you'll ever have true joy is by knowing Jesus. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about a relationship, but I'm talking about having a living, breathing relationship with someone that you talk to him and he will talk to you. It's something that's so real that will rock your world and it will change your life. And you have an opportunity today that Jesus paid for all your past, present, and future sin by what he did for us, by taking all of our punishment, all of that on him when he was executed. And he rose from the dead three days later and you can have true joy by giving your life to him. And so you may be here and say, Denver, you know, I've never given my life to Jesus. Or you may be here and say, no, Denver, I, you know, I, I used to know Jesus. We used to talk, but I've, I've, I've fallen away. I've gone my own way. And I, I just want to know him. I really want to know him this time. If that's you and you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, or you want to rededicate your life, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And what raising your hand does is it solidifies something in your soul. 
that you're making a decision. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. But this is a decision between you and God. And that when you make this decision, your life will never be the same. Having a relationship with Jesus, it changes everything. And you can have real joy. And so if that's you in this place, you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, or you want to rededicate your life, on the count of three, I just want to ask you to put it up your hand. And so, one, come on, friend, he's calling you. He's calling you. You know, you feel your heart beat in the chest. Oh, man, I need to give my life to Jesus. Two, your life will never be the same. Three, raise your hand right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all pray this prayer together as a church family. Lord Jesus, I want to give you my life. I give you all my sin, and I take your righteousness. Come live your life in me. Let me never be the same. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, can we give it up for everyone that just prayed that prayer today? At One Church, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way and you would like to contribute financially, you can go online to imonechurch.com slash give. If you chose to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior or rededicate your life to Him today, then you can text Decided to 33733 so we can celebrate with you. Thanks for listening and have a great week.